Well, first and foremost, um, I want to bring you salutations from your pastor. Uh, love him to death. Uh, pastor, um, what's his name? <laughs> oh, Kyle. Him and Amy are having a wonderful time on the walk at, at Emmaus uh, at the uh, WW Man uh, Retreat Center, which is up in the Statesboro area, the Ogeechee River Baptist Association's uh, Children's Camp, Youth Camp Retreat Center, and they're having a wonderful time, and, and he sends his love. He did want me to tell y'all that it'll be 40 degrees Wednesday, and that's when they're coming back because he said it'd be a cold day. I didn't say it'd be a cold day before he come back. I just said he said it'd be a cold day. Golly, their minds, Brother Bill, just went straight to the gutter. But anyway, as far as praises, I'd like to share a couple of praises with you, if you don't mind. One is that tonight for our annual associational meeting, Savannah Baptist Association, uh, it's going to be a celebration meeting. It'll be at Crossroads Baptist Church on uh, Montgomery Street near Montgomery Crossroads at 6 o'clock. And uh, we're, all, we're celebrating uh, what God's doing in our association, but also we're celebrating our financial secretary, Connie Martin's 10th year, 10th anniversary. And also my 10th year of serving you as a church family and as the association. I've spent two and a half years as interim, seven and a half years as full-time. And it has indeed been an honor and a privilege to serve the churches of the Savannah Baptist Association. So uh, I think I got some of the longevity that many other have not had over the last 20 years. And God has blessed. Our association is strong. Speaking of that, another praise with our disaster relief units, our lower feeding unit, and also our cleanup recovery chainsaw unit. They have been down in Sarasota, Florida, at First Baptist Sarasota for the last three, going on, this is going to the third week, serving down there. Uh, some from our feeding unit have volunteered, and also we took our cleanup recovery unit down. We had to bring it back due to some uh, mechanical difficulties. But our volunteers are still there working. And of, as of right now, they have the, the feeding units throughout the, Georgia, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, if you would. Uh, there's units down there from North Carolina, Texas, Tennessee, Arkansas, Ohio, so forth and so on. They have prepared over a million and a half meals. That's a lot of food, folks. Meeting the needs of those who are devastated by the hurricane. And uh, they'll be meeting needs for a long time to come. So we continue to pray for them as they recover. Um, but uh, very proud of our association and what we do with Disaster Relief. And if you'd like to support that, you can go to the George Baptist Mission Board website and go to Disaster Relief. That's the best way to fund. So very often people want to rush and their hearts are, their intents are good. They want to get bottled water, clothing, food, whatever they can get and send down there. And we ask that you don't do that. And the reason being, if you do not have a church to facilitate it, where it is, it just sits somewhere, and they don't. It, it doesn't get used like it should. Um, when Hurricane Katrina came through New Orleans, there were so many people that sent so many goods there, and a lot of those goods on semi-trailers sit there and went bad because they had no one to distribute them. Uh, so there's a time and a place and a time to do it in an orderly fashion. So one of the best ways is to, uh, to send money, make a financial donation. And the reason is then they can buy what they need instead of what we think they need. Does that make sense? Good deal. Well, see, I'm, per uh, I'm more than a pretty face. <laughs> That's not funny. I said that in church the other day and somebody said, thank God. I said, jeez. But anyway, it is a joy to be here. And I, I want to thank you as a church family. Every time I come here, I worship the Lord. And you are very blessed with musical talent. And as I'm out there singing the praise songs and, and singing the, even the old hymns, 
It touches my heart. The Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and blesses me when I'm here. Some churches I go to, I don't get that experience. I've never yet to have that here at Shelly Soaks Baptist Church. So I personally want to thank you for that. Um, this morning, if you have your Bibles, will you take them and open them to the uh, book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John comes right before 2 John. For you Bible students, it comes right after 2 Peter. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Very familiar passage this morning. And I'm going to be speaking on this topic, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Everyone there? It's in the New Testament, towards the end of the books. If you got that, I'm going to ask you to stand, if you can, in reverence to the reading of God's holy word this morning. If you'll follow along as I read aloud, the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore we know not, uh, the world doth not know us, because it knoweth not him. Uh, beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he that is Christ shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he that is Christ is pure. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, as we join our hearts together this morning in prayer, as we've already prayed for this time together, we just pray, Lord, that your holy will would be accomplished. That you would take us to that thought of who am I? Because I really believe that the world has an identity crisis. And God, I believe your church has an identity crisis also. I believe we've forgotten who we really are. So Lord, open the eyes of our hearts and our minds today that we might see the truth of your word and, and see how it's applicable to our lives and that we would apply it to our lives in such a way that we would garner our closer relationship with our Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Kyle and Miss Amy, and we do pray for them as they continue their ministry at the walk of Emmaus today. And Lord, that you would do great and mighty things to revive their hearts and to revive the hearts of others who are going through this precious walk. It's a time of introspect, a time of reflection upon their lives. And Lord, it's the same thing here this morning with us at Shepherd's Oaks Baptist Church. It's a time of reflection of who we really are in Christ Jesus. So, Father God, speak to our hearts today. We give our time to you as an act of worship and praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for reverence the Word of God. Who am I? As I said in my prayer, I believe that there is an identity crisis in our world today where people don't even really know who they are. That's why they want to dress like uh, some of these musicians or some of these uh, actors or actresses, they want to act like them, be like them in, in sports. And uh, I do like sports, but I'm not so enamored with it anymore. But that's just me. It, it seems like everybody wants to be like them. You remember, many of you older folks will remember when Michael Jordan was in his heyday and he would be on the ball uh, playing court, on the court playing ball and he'd be going to make a slam dunk. His tongue would be hanging out. If you went to any ball court around here, there was kids mimicking him. And they wanted to be like him. And actually there was a thing, be like Mike, uh, in advertisement. So, but a lot of people have lost their identity. And I believe they have lost, uh, even the church has lost its identity today. We no longer look like the church of the living God. 
We look more like the world than we do anything else. And we have forgotten where we come from. I was reminded uh, a few weeks ago of this little girl who went up to her mother and she says, Mom, where do we come from? And her mom said, well, honey, we come from God. But we come through uh, Adam and we come through Eve. The little girl said, that's not what daddy said. And the mom said, well, what did your daddy tell you? And the little girl said, well, mama, daddy said we come from monkeys. And the mother said, oh, honey, that's just daddy's side of the family. <laughs> Lost their identity. Don't know who we are anymore. And I think the Word of God this morning will help us understand not only who we are, but what we are in Christ Jesus. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 3 of the book of, uh, of John, the God, uh, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That word behold there means to perceive with our eyes and with our senses. It means to know, to understand. It means to be so affixed upon that you become oblivious to everything else. And what we're supposed to be affixed upon is the manner of love that God has given to us that we are called the children of the living God, the sons of God. Have you ever been so enamored with something that you become oblivious to everything else? This is yes, this is no. Come on, you get with me. Sure you have. I'm sure that some of you get listening to music and you become oblivious to everything else. Do you not? How about texting? That's the big thing today. I see people texting and you could walk over and just hit them right in the back of the head. They wouldn't even know you were beside them. Man, you don't have to get personal. But sure, there's times, uh, the scenery that we have in this world today, a sunset, uh, a full moon, or, or something that's going on, we get so engrossed in it that we forget about everything else. Down at the Savannah Baptist Center this week, there was a man sitting at a table, and he was looking at a can of frozen orange juice. And there was all type stuff going on around. He was just so affixed upon it. He was oblivious to everything. And I went up and I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, man, what's going on? He says, well, it says concentrate. It'll come to you. <laughs> Not the best, but it, it'll do. Behold, behold, to, to perceive with our eyes and with our senses, to know, to understand the manner of love that God bestowed upon us. What is the manner of love? It's the cross of Calvary. He loved us so much that he allowed his son to die in our place as a sin sacrifice for us, his atoning death on the cross of Calvary. And we're supposed to be so affixed upon that that we become oblivious to everything else. But we're more in tune with the world and the things of the world and everything else than we are affixed upon the love that God has for us through the cross of Calvary. The manner of love, the word manner there speaks of what possible sort to give, to grant, to supply, to cause to come forth our salvation. And no one has ever granted that type love than, the Lord, than, than God Almighty through his son Jesus Christ. My family would tell you that when my children were smaller, especially my little son, he would have a tendency when we would have the invitation to come forward and, and uh, just to be around daddy. And I would grab him up. And I have told churches before that I love that little boy so much that I surely would not kill him for anyone in this building. But our God, our God loved you and me and all of humanity so much that he took his own son and put him up on a cross and he died a horrendous death. And we're supposed to be so affixed upon that, of the love, the Shekinah love of God, 
that we become oblivious to everything else, all the hurt, the disappointments, the pain, the sorrows of this world today. If we just uh, fixed ourselves on the love of God, knowing that he gave to us, that he granted to us, that he supplies our salvation, our eternal life with him, and it's coming forth through Jesus Christ. That's the sort of manner of the love that God bestowed upon us. The word love there, and there it speaks of agape love. There's three types of love in the Greek language, which is the language that the New Testament was written in. And there's only two of them in the Bible. There's a love called the agape love. That is the love of God Almighty. It's a divine love that, that, that comes. It's dear affection. It's, it's dear love. It's, it's um, love that is given unconditionally. It's hard for us to do that, isn't it? There's a condition in our love most of the time, but God gives his love so freely to us. That is the agape love. Then there's the word philos, where we get the word Philadelphia from, which is the, like the city of Philadelphia. Brotherly love comes from, we say, equate that with Philadelphia. It's a brotherly love that we share in, in our life as Christians. Y'all not have that here? Y'all are some of the most loving criminals I've ever met in my life. And I know you criminals cause a hug more than three seconds is a mug. And there's a lot of mugging going on here this morning. Matter of fact, sometimes y'all get that windshield wiper effect. Y'all get hugging and get doing this number like you're going back and forth. That agape love. Then there's that brotherly love. There's another love that's not in the Greek uh, language or Greek New Testament. It is the, the word eros. That's where we get the word erotic from, erotica love. There is not erotic love in the Bible. There's no sensual love in the Bible. That's a man's love. That's a, a worldly love. It's, it's rampant in our world today, but it's not in the Bible. The Bible is brotherly love and then the intimate affection of God's love for us. And that's the intimate love that God wants a man and a woman to have when they come together to know each other in intimacy, in pure, holy, unadulterated love, not erotic love. So we're to behold the manner of the cross of Calvary that God grants to us his love, salvation, that we should be called the sons of God. We're the offsprings of God. And I think we have lost our identity. We have forgot that. Did you know that you are children of the living God? Then why don't we act like children of the living God? How many of you have children that you always want, you raise them the best you can, or actually you rear children, you raise chickens? You want you rear your children the best you can and, and, and while they're growing up and you want to instill into them the, the things of God and you want them to respect folks and to make you as a parent proud. Do you not? Yes, preacher. Thank you. Don't you? Do you remember when one of your children act up and act bad, your wife would say, that's his child. Oh, now we get the amens. You notice, Brother Bill, I didn't say it was the wife's child. As I said earlier, there's a fine line between courage and stupidity. And I have crossed it many a time, but not this morning, hopefully. But yeah, that's, that's their child. Do, you, do your children, when they do things that are wrong, do they embarrass you? That comes from my grandson. <laughs> I mean, when, they, when, when you're shopping and they, they have a tantrum on the floor in front of everybody and you look and say, I don't know whose child that is. Or you grab them by the arm and start dragging them off so nobody, behind you so nobody can see you. Well, God doesn't treat us like that. 
You know, God wants the very best for us and he wants to do the very best for us, but he labels us, he calls us by name, he calls us aloud. We bear the title as sons of God, his offsprings. Christ is called the son of God. Do you realize that there is, a, there is one entity in our life where we are absolutely, unequivocally equal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Only one. Y'all know what it is? Well, I'm glad y'all ask, because I do know what it is. It's the fact that God Almighty loves you and me just as much as he loves his own son. We're not equal to him as in omniscience, as all-knowing. We're not equal in, to, to Christ as omnipotent, as an all-powerful. We're not equal with him as an omnipresent. We can't be everywhere at any time. We just, we can't have any of that in our life because we are, are, are finite in our humanity. But we're equal with God Almighty because Jesus Christ is called the Son of God, and God calls us his sons, his children. So that means he loves us just as much as he loves his own son. Isn't that glorious? This doesn't make us equal to Christ. Except that God loves us just as much. Behold, gaze upon, become affixed upon with your eyes and your senses. Understand the manner, what possible sort that God grants to us, his holy, unconditional love that he would call us by name, his son, his children. And I think we have lost our identity that we are children of the living God. We don't act like it. We don't talk like it. We don't do like it. We don't look like it. It's a shame. I hope we have a, don't have an identity crisis here this morning, but I hope we have an identity remembrance of who we really are this morning. And the Bible goes on to tell us who we're not. The Bible says that, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. What we are, we are children of the living God. We are the sons of God. What we are not, we are not of this world. So if we're not of this world, why do we want to act like this world, be like this world, do like this world, look like this world, and invest our whole lives in this world when we should be investing our life in heavenly things? Why? Because we have an identity crisis. We forget. We don't get affixed upon the love that God has for us. We are not of this world. We are passing through this old world. The Bible calls us pilgrims and sojourners. From birth till death, we're here a very minuscule of time in eternity, how it registers or equals to eternity. We're going to heaven's glory as children of God. The Bible says in James that our life here is just a vapor, Woo. just gone. And I can tell you that's happening. It seems like yesterday I was a young child or a young man. Now I'm 65 years old. I'm on that train going downhill and it has no brakes. You can pump them all you want to, like when your husband rides in the passenger seat. You look over there, he's got that leg going like that, pumping them brakes. We're not of this world. So why in the world would we want in God's church as children of the living God, as sons of God, why do we want the church to look like the world? It's time we get back to what we need to get back to, and that's just the plain old scriptures and stand on it. I thank God you got a pastor that does that. And I'm so glad he gets his sermons from me and not sermon.com. 
Oh, did I say that? You'll hear this same sermon in about six months. He'll preach it again. I know him. We're not only not of this world. The Bible says we are not known of this world. It's amazing how we want to align ourselves and saddle up beside the world, and yet the world doesn't know us. They don't understand Christians. They're blinded, the Bible says. They can't see. They don't understand why we tithe. That to them is ludicrous. Why in the world would you give a tithe to somebody you've never seen, never touched, never heard from? But we have heard from, we have touched. He's touched us. We've seen him through the scriptures. Jesus Christ is alive and well. He's a living word. But the world doesn't get that. The world doesn't get why you give up a Sunday every week to come to church. They think it's ludicrous. I had a first cousin at one time said, because of my service to the king, I was dumb as a stump. And I said, okay, but this stump will end up in heaven. Where are you going to be? I stumped him. That just came to me. We're not of this world, and the world doesn't know us. It doesn't understand Christianity, and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. We're going to lose our, our ability to do things in this world today. Uh, you can count it that's going to happen, that pastors are going to be in prison for standing on the truth of the word and preaching against things that our world deems as okay today because they don't know us. They don't understand us. God's love is foreign to this world, and the world cannot comprehend it. That's why the world doesn't love us. Did, let me say that again. The world does not love you as a Christian. It really doesn't. It despises you and everything you believe in and everything you desire. The world hates us. So if the world hates us, why in the world do we want to love up on the world? I would much rather love someone and be, be with someone who loves me back than someone that hates me. If you've ever been in a bad relationship, you should understand that. And for a Christian to love up on the world or saddle up beside the world, it is a bad relationship. The Bible says that them who are without Christ are an enmity to God. And what God has in our life is foreign to them. They just don't get it. So what are we? We are sons of the living God. And we need to be so affixed upon that that everything else becomes oblivious. What we are not is we are not of this world. The world doesn't know us. So why do we want to be a part of the world? Why do we want the world to influence us when we're supposed to be influencing the world? And not only that, the Bible goes on to tell us not only what we are, but what we shall be. Isn't that neat? Because everybody wants to know what's going to take place in the future. What's going to take place in the future? Who's going to win the game later on? How am I going to turn out in life in my, in my twilight years, in the winter of my, of my life? I can answer that. I know how I'm going to be in the winter of my life. I'm going to be dead. <laughs> At the end of the winter, I'll be out. It'll be over with on earth. But what we shall be is going to be a whole lot different because the Bible says, behold, or beloved, now we are the sons of God. That's because of salvation where you've given your heart to Christ and you're no longer going to hell. You're going to heaven. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. What we shall be is we shall be the, just as much as like Christ as we possibly can be. 
Case in point, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21, the Bible says, For our conversation is in heaven, and from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies and fashion it into the likeness of his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Oh, friends, this old vile body one day is going to be fashioned into the likeness of the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. When my body goes to sleep and my spirit goes to be with the Lord Jesus Christ at the rapture of the church and a song we sang a while ago, it said about visions of the rapture, and we need to think about that, but focus in on that, that God's going to take us up, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, then those of us who remain are going to be caught up with him in the air, and instantaneously our bodies shall be fashioned into the likeness of the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? No more hurting, no more pain, no more doctor's appointments. No more Social Security, no more Medicare, no more insurance problems, no anything. But our, our very vile bodies that from birth till death is always deteriorating shall be fashioned into the likeness of the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's enough to make you shout. That's enough to make a Methodist shout. Ooh, my bad. Folks, let me read to you a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse, uh, let me go down to verse 42. Speaking of our bodies. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. That's talking about our bodies now. It is raised in, in power. It is sown in the natural body. It is raised in the spiritual body. It, uh, that the natural body, me, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. And the last Adam, that is Jesus Christ, was made a quickened soul, a soul that was alive. Now this, Paul says, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot enter to the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, Paul says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So when the corruptible have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall it be brought to pass that saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of, of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of that, while we are here, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, we need to go back and get our identity straight, that we are children of the living God, and we need to live accordingly, knowing that while we're here on earth, prepared ourselves for heaven, we're not trying to gain anything. We're doing it because of what he's already done for us, the manner of love he bestowed upon us. Does that make sense? Friends, I want to tell you what we are right now. I want to tell you what I am. I'm a son of God. I'm part of the royal priesthood. I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm part of the redeemed. I'm a child of the king. I'm chosen by him. I'm saved by him. I'm kept by him. I'm being prepared by him. And I want to try my best to live like him because I will be like him one day in heaven's glory. So if that is the case, 
We who are the sons of God have this hope that we should purify ourselves and live our lives continually purifying ourselves. In 1 John 3, 3, the Bible says, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he that is Christ Jesus is pure. How many of you want your children to fail? None of us, be honest. We always want our children to succeed. Actually, if we were right in our, in our hearts, we would want our children not only to succeed, but to surpass us. Right? My daughter Amanda is here, and I'm so very proud of her. And I hope that she elevates way, way past me in this life so she can take care of me. Amanda used to be my daughter. <laughs> but we want our children to succeed. We want them to, to elevate past us. Well, we can never pass Christ, but God wants us to elevate ourselves to be the children of the living God, children of the King of kings and the Lord of lords that we are, and stop acting like the world and start acting like Jesus. If we acted like Jesus, we would love quicker. We would forgive quicker. We would do more. We would be more. Wouldn't we? Then what's the problem? We have an identity crisis. Friends, if we're going to stay in this old world possibly a hundred years, and that's stretching it for a lot of us, and we're going to stay in eternity for tens of thousands of millions of billions of years with Jesus. Why do we want to spend so much time looking like something we spend a very minuscule amount of time in compared to what we will spend eternity in? For those who are not sons of God, you don't have any hope right now within yourself or within the world. The world cannot save you. The world cannot keep you. There's no amount of prestige, prominence, money, good works, self-righteousness that'll, that'll get you into heaven. There's not. But you can gain that hope right now by simply accepting what the Word of God says about Jesus Christ and the way to be saved. And it's very simplistic. The simple gospel message is that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Because of our sins, our, that's, that's doing things that are contrary to God's word or not doing what God's word says for us to do, and everybody is a sinner. Because of that, we deserve to go to hell because sin cannot enter into heaven. It's just that simple. So we deserve to go to hell. So if we deserve to go to hell, how in the world can we go to heaven if we can't buy our way in? We can't be good enough. Our self-righteousness won't get us there. We can go to heaven because of the manner of love God bestowed upon mankind on the cross of Calvary through the, sub, the atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, my dear friends, Jesus on the cross of Calvary built, bridged the gap between sinful man and a holy God. And the only way you can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. 
by simple accepting of what the Bible says, that we're sinners and we deserve to go to hell, but if we want to go to heaven, we just have to surrender our lives to Christ. And the Bible says instantaneously when we do that, we become sons of the living God. It's not just believe it. It's an intimate love relationship with, because the devil believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Matter of fact, he knows it, but he doesn't trust Christ for salvation. He still thinks he has the possibility of ruling and reigning, and he doesn't. I've read the end of the book. He doesn't have a chance. But we do. And I don't believe in the word chance. We have an opportunity. And this morning, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity. Don't waste it. You may think, well, preacher, I've got all the time in the world. I pastored over in Albany, Georgia, for five years. One morning after preaching a message, an evangelistic message, one of our senior adults lady came out and me being buddy, I said something kind of quirky to her and she popped me on the cheek and then she pulled me down and she kissed me and said, I love you preacher. She got out in the parking lot, drove one quarter of a mile and took a turn and a car hit her and T-boned her and killed her. That quick. That quick. Not two minutes from leaving the church. You don't know what your future is, except it's apart from Christ. But when you become a child of God, a son of God, you know what your future is. It's going to be in heaven's glory, being like him. Friends, if you don't accept Christ this morning, your eternity is going to be of, of damnation. The Bible says you'll be in a place where you'll fall forevermore and never hit bottom. You'll scream till you have no more air in your lungs and you'll never stop screaming. You'll burn, your body will be completely consumed with fire, but you'll never be completely incinerated. The worms will eat you and gnaw at you for eternity and they'll never completely consume you. And that's what the Bible says. And I got the funny feeling that's not as bad as it's going to be. It's going to be worse of the worst. But we also know from what we learned this morning from God's Word that if we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we shall be like Him. This old vile body shall put on immortality. Our vile body shall be fashioned into the likeness of the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joshua said, choose this day whom you'll serve. He said, as for me and my house, we'll serve God. We'll serve the Lord. Who do you most identify with today? You say you look more like the world, things of the world. I enjoy the things of the world more than I do the things of Christ. If you do, you've got a spiritual problem. Because the Bible says, behold, become so affixed upon the manner, that's the cross of Calvary, that he would sacrifice his own son. That's how much he loves us. Behold the manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that he would call us by name as his children. And friends, if you would get that in your mind and your heart, the rest of it would just dissipate. Now, are you living in that hope? Are you purifying yourself? It may not have anything to do with your eternity, but it has a lot to do with what the Bible calls sanctification, your spiritual growth. Who do you identify with? Who do you look like? I will be honest with you, there's times I don't look like Jesus. I don't act like him. But I'm striving to. 
I want to be like him because one day I will be like him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the privilege of sharing from your word in my heart this morning about who we are, who I am, a child of the king, heir to the very throne of God, bought and blood washed with the shed blood of Christ. That's how much you love us. And God, I am so sorry for the times that I identify more with the world when I look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world. Heavenly Father God, maybe there's someone here this morning that's never trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have heard the gospel and now their blood is on their hands. They don't accept Christ, it's on them today. But if they will accept Christ, they'll have hope like they've never had it before. And they'll no no longer be labeled a child of the devil, someone who's lost and undone without Christ. They will now be a child of the king. Son of woman, daughter of God. The invitation is for them. But the invitation is also for Christians. If they're not purifying their lives and living their life in such a way to make our daddy proud of a father. I would pray that this whole front would be filled with people on bending knees and saying, oh God, I'm so sorry. And God, your word says that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, help us to know who we are. Help us not to have an identity crisis. So when others look at us, they know that we're blood-bought, that we're blood-washed, that we're sons of God. Help us, O God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I ask you to stand very reverently. If God spoke to your heart this morning, you need me to pray with you or one of the deacons, they'll be happy to. If you need to come forward and just do business with God, you come this morning.